Second chances don't come around all that often. I suggest you take a really close look at it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Marvel Verse podcast, across the airwaves podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel's Agent Yield, Marvel's Netflix. I'm Nikki Amy, your asthmatic and uh, <laughs> just getting over a respiratory infection hostess. Uh, and joining me a day or two healthier fellas that have assembled uh, to talk about this week's Agent Yield. Guys, introduce yourselves. Hello, I am Cookie Monster, and I do not have asthma, even though I sound like it. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, wait a second, guys. I just got, my name is Wu. Kim, I got a voicemail from Bucky from Wakanda. He says he remembers he he remembers murdering somebody named Agents Mary and Richard Parker. Where have I heard those names before? Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 um, remind me to email Anders when we're done with this when we're done with this podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so welcome back, guys. Been three weeks without a brand new four weeks without a new episode of Agents of Shield, and we're back for two episodes, and then we go on our winter break. Uh, <laughs> which I I actually have to agree with Nikki before we went on hiatus. This, this is a really bad scheduling thing for Agents of Shield. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, Agents of this having the show would have saved me a lot of anxiety and stress over the last three weeks, but I also really could talk. So, apologies if my voice cuts out, uh, dear happy followers and listeners, because the infection is affecting my asthma, so it's affecting my breathing. So, if I cut out, just be patient with me. So, in the uh, week since we've last been here, we had a little small Marvel film. Didn't do too well. <laughs> oh no, it only made like it only made like eight hundred something million dollars beating Iron Man one's op- initial record. No big deal. No yeah, big deal. So and Dr. also there's a new show on the horizon. Yeah. Yes, which uh, Jane will talk about later. Uh but yeah, so Doctor Strange was released on November fourth. And, and what did you think about it, Miss Amy? Well I only saw it four times. <laughs> In the theater. How dare um, you? How dare you disrespect the? <laughs> did you have to see the? Dor- did you have to bargain with Dormammu that many times? <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm here to bargain. Uh, I was in an endless time loop. Uh, did no, you listen I, to Beyonce? Uh, actually, yes. Um, I I will. My thoughts on Doctor Strange. Okay, I loved it. Uh, I have a few issues with continuity. Um, but I'm a continuity for like fanatic. Like I, Peter Jackson should hire me to be a script supervisor. What um, was the continuity? Fill us in on okay, that. The continuity is this. my This was the biggest one for me. And it bothers me, but not enough to dispel my enjoyment of the film. When we're in Stephen Strange's apartment very first time, and he's getting ready to go to speak at that neurological conference, mm-hmm. the camera focuses in on a plaque in his award, in his trophy case. Um, and it says 2016. So all of these events are happening in 2016. And it, while he's driving, Billy tells him about some cases, one of them which is obviously Rhodey. Well, actually, it's not Rhodey. They said that in post-production, or they said that in interviews. 
least. I would hope so, but you have to admit when you first heard it. Yeah. yeah thought, if it's not Rhodey, the then don't put it in the movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, except for the fact that Rhodey is not only 34 years old. Um, Rhodey is older than Tony. Yeah. Uh, so, or about the same age as Tony. So that was nothing. But the 2016 plaque bothers me. And I don't know if they were, they focused on it. I mean, they didn't like zoom, but they stayed on it for about half a second. That means it's an Easter egg. If- but if we go back to the event of Captain America, the Winfold, which was not in 2016 and did not take place in 2016, Hydra already knew about Stephen Strange and his being a sorcerer. No, they didn't know he was a sorcerer. They just thought it was someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, that was my biggest issue. It was like, okay, how is how was Stephen Strange an issue as a neurologist? Because he's yeah. an amazing doctor. Well, and there's also, lots I think of amazing it's, uh, doctors. Is Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson on their radiant radar, too? Well, I mean, uh, like... Strange is that he's, um, like, I know how, like, talented he is relative to other people, but I feel like if you're a guy who can get a bullet out of a person's um, skull without killing them, I think you deserve, you probably deserve to be on some kind of watch list. So. Well, right, yeah. but that happened after. And I, he's an amazing doctor. He's given interviews on CNN and everything, and it's possible that they sense that he had some latent magical abilities, which is why maybe he's so good at what he does. I mean, Hydra did say threat. They didn't say, like... Right. You, how is how is a neurosurgeon a threat to them? Because he could, he, he could save somebody that Hydra doesn't want him to save. But still, what are, the, what are the odds of that happening? Well, so, Zola is the computer program. That's my only... That's my the only thing I have wait, wait, negative wait, 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 to say about the movie. The um, Remember the big whole program that Hydra had that was, like, picking mm-hmm. out a threat, like, and it was going to exterminate them or whatever before they happened in the Winter Soldier, like, that whole thing? Yeah. Right. What if, like, Stephen Strange was, based on, like, all the things in his life, like, considered one of the top threats just based on events that they never touched on in the movie yet? Yeah, based on based on statistics. But then they, shouldn't, they shouldn't have brought him up then. Yeah. Well, like, well, if, well, if you're not going to address the fact that they brought him up in Winter Soldier, or why he, and if you're not going to say why he's a threat in the Winter Soldier, then it, I'm saying that people who don't know as much about the universe as we do are going to, if they remember that, they're going to go, wait a minute, how is he an actual... I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, but it's just you, a small thing. It's a small thing, but to me, continuity and timelines are a really big issue, and I want to know why he was a threat in the Winter Soldier, why he was considered a threat if he hadn't even gone there. Plus, I I would think that he would have needed more time to study, but I'm I'm able to dismiss that, but he's brilliant, that whole, because he's freaking brilliant. He's Dr. Stephen Strange. And yeah. my only thought was to kind of use that, kind of what I think is kind of a, a bit of a plot hole, is, and it's not a deal breaker for me at all. But by your logic, you would rather than, um, sit well to I, say, Bruce Banner, Carol Danvers, anybody that could be a threat to Hydra in the future. Right. Like, I just don't think a neurosurgeon would be on Hydra's scope. But somebody um, like Carol Danvers would be. Maybe, yeah. Because there are other underlying things, unless they felt like he had an underlying, like maybe he is, like he is a natural magician. A natural Let me call magician. Kevin Feige to confirm that. <laughs> maybe he's a natural sorcerer and there's something about the way he operates, the way he works, and the way he can heal humans that is beyond the realm of human understanding so they feel like he's possibly an inhuman or uh, has some abilities that are uh, super na- super powered. Yeah. So that's the that's the way I kind of have like explained my way around it. But when I every time I watched it, I would look for little things like, okay, why does that say 2016? We're at the end of 2016. You know, and I don't know where in the year this takes place, but if he already has a plaque saying it's 2016, it's pretty in the year. So I think that if they had not focused on that, that, that one shot, I, there, I would have absolutely no issues with the film at all. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's uh, not a deal breaker for you. It's just, a, it's, no, a, uh, it's just annoying because of my continuity brain, because of mm-hmm. my OCD brain in that I have to have continuity 
Um, and I could pick, I, even with my very favorite films, and most of you know what those are, I could pick out the continuity errors. I could pick apart any film for continuity or uh, uh, any kind of thing that falls out of uh, the timeline yeah. or just that don't make sense. Which even is why, which is why it was favorite. so cool to see Senator Stern back in Winter Soldier. Yes, which I love. Rest um, in peace, Shandling. Yes, and rest that, in peace. So the fact that Marvel is so good at keeping their timeline pretty accurate, this was to be just uh, it was like, okay, you need to explain this. So someday I'll get the answer to my question. But um, other than that, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was born to play Doc Strange. Your girl, um, your, gr- your girl, the ancient one, what did you think of her? Totally felt, oh, the perfection. Tilda Swinton is perfection, no matter what she's. <laughs> um, I love that they make, make you very aware she is not playing an Asian person. Yeah. She is playing, she is Celtic. Yeah. Uh, but I think what... Because that goes to kind of maybe the, the race bending people going, okay, well, they're not trying to make her Asian. Um, but I think the fact that you've taken an Asian male character from the comic and you've not made him a white guy, you've taken it and given that role to a strong woman. To me, that wipes the slate clean in a lot of ways. I don't mind that they changed the ancient one because what they did, in my opinion, was make her stronger because I felt she was stronger in the film than she ever was in the, the ancient one was in the comic book. Just like I, Kelly Clarkson, she's stronger. And I, <laughs> I love el- the elevation of Wong from the, yeah. in the comics, he's like the Kato. Yeah, he's like he's Asian Jarvis. He's Asian Jarvis. But he was funny. He's played by the charming and ever talented Benedict Wong, who I absolutely adore. Also, a big Spider Man fan, apparently. There's two guys named Benedict in this movie. Yes. But luckily, Um, the the guy Benedict Wong gets to keep his name, so they just say call him Wong on it, so everybody knows who he is. Right. So um, I was I was worried about Rachel McAdams uh, as uh, uh, Doc Palmer. Christine Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have no issues with that anymore. My future wife, Rachel McAdams. I, I was never a big fan of hers, but I thought she, her scenes where she played comedy were so subtle and really funny. Like when like the broom, the broom, yeah. <laughs> Everything that happened before that, when he comes back, like oh, they're servicing uh, Rachel McAdams so much better than Natalie Portman. I thought. Yeah, I think she was a better. She was a really good choice. Now, um, I she was underused. I love Carl Moto Mordo because I love that character comic. I love that they took again. They took a white character and they made him African and they gave him depth, more depth uh, and feeling and more co- and uh, conviction. Um, Plus, she was how edgy for is just a great performer. I mean, you could cast him as anything and I'd be happy. You could have cast him as Hilda Swinton and I'd be happy. <laughs> um, so I think the casting of this film was perfection. Um, what did you think I, of the mid credit scene with our favorite mighty god? <laughs> I thought that was really funny and it made me gave me more hope with the, of the, the rumor that a Doctor Strange will appear Ragnarok. I hope it's, uh, I hope it's just a scene, though. I don't want him to I be don't, Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it's good. If it is true, which Benedict has kind of confirmed, um, I mean, it's, like, it's supposed. To, they had to shoot it right in the middle of the um, uh, shooting Ragnarok because they needed the set. So I think it's. Uh, it's probably a within. I would say probably two. Th- just based on like what I imagine, based on the content of the scene, I would imagine probably two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah, think. that's what kind of I was thinking. The too. only thing that would have made that scene better for me and probably for Nikki is to have Hiddleston in there somewhere. Well, the fact that I'm gonna get Hiddleston and Cumberbatch in a film together again <laughs> because they were in War Horse together. Oh and yes, uh, I forgot about and that. And they're in real life; they're incredibly good best. They're like best friends in real life. Like Charlie and Cox and um, the guy who plays Edwin Jarvis. They're really good friends. Paul Bettany. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I um, I was excited to see Thor. I wasn't sure what we were gonna get for a mid credit scene. Great beer, um, though. Apparently. Uh, and I love that he's just so casual with his magic. With, yeah, with I think that's like the, it, I think it sets the tone of like what Ragnarok is gonna be really well because I think that scene um, shows that Taika Waititi knows how to do 
do like really subtle and yet really funny humor and I think that's what Thor needs. And apparently yeah. Taika Waititi did direct that mid credit scene so. Well good because if you haven't watched What We Do in Shadows go watch it now because Taika Waititi is brilliant and also uh, The Hunt for the uh, Wilder People amazing film uh, uh, that he directed. I, th um, I think Thor Ragnarok is going to be like the sleeper head of next year because everybody's excited for Guardians and Spider-Man Homecoming but we generally have an idea of what we're going to see in those films. Am I correct? But with yeah. this, but with Thor Ragnarok, with so many great talent, it's like it's kind of like Black Panther. There's so many, you know, great performers and great people behind the scenes. It's gonna be really interesting. Right. Yeah. And there was a uh, we uh, my roommate James and I were talking about um, you know Kate Blanchett, who we're both huge fans of as as Hela, and we thought about what Sigourney Weaver's character in the Defenders might who possibly be, and if she's Mephisto, uh, and Angela then, Bassett now being confirmed as Charles' mother. Uh, we're just we're just like oh god if they cross finally cross over the TV world with the movie world to have Kate Blanchett and Sigourney Weaver in one movie <laughs> as, as together as Mephisto and Ella and then we're like oh but they killed the ancient one and to what we would give to see Tilda Swinton take on Kate Blanchett and see Loris Tyrell and Benedict Cumberbatch on screen together <laughs> I'm not that big a fan of Loris Tyrell but um, I just I really thought my yeah, the story was really strong it was probably the strongest origin story we've got yeah, um, the, you, could, you could kind of you could really feel the passion for every like of both the right of the writer and the director and basically everybody in the movie because I mean this is a passion project for both Kevin Feige and Scott Derrick. He's wanted so. to do this for like before the studio was even gotten made, so the fact that he actually got to do it, good for him. Yeah, yeah. no, I it definitely was a passion project, and the fact that Benedict is so one hundred percent on board. To, I mean, he's already announced he's 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 in Infinity War. He's already announced he's going to become an Avenger. Good, no need. To Doctor Strange. Look what they're yep. up against. And we talk, you know, something else, you know, James and I talk about this stuff all the time, um, is like what we want from Infinity War and what we want from the follow-up Avengers film and what we really would like to see besides we have ideas about who needs, who should die to throw the team into chaos for the untitled Avengers film and what should happen. Should it be Tony? Should it be Cap? Should I'm sorry, Cap needs to die. We would have this idea that Tony should be somehow jettisoned into space to put him in that world and then it's him trying to get back to Earth and then will he hook up with the Guardians or will we finally get Nova? So we have all these really crazy ideas that we really would like to happen. Before I forget, Nikki, what did you think of our new um, Marvel Studios opening? No Hawkeye. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was, was Hawkeye. Was no, there was, I, I saw it four times. <laughs> and I've, no se and I've seen that opening like seven times when they first released that Comic-Con. She's right, there is no Hawkeye. We see Ant-Man but we don't see a Hawkeye anymore. Thank you. But, uh, but yeah, I would but I love the music by Michael Chikino, though. I'm so happy that he's going to do Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. I, really, I, really I was really excited that um, in the idea, something James and I were talking about, was when you bring Doctor Strange into the Avengers world, he's kind of an, like a reluctant Avenger in the comic. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really want to be there. Um, the thing about Doctor Strange that they're going to run into is they're going to have to figure out a way to make him like not be able to save everything immediately because he really right. is one of the most powerful people in the... Right. He's more and powerful think, than any of the Avengers currently are and also um, I think the only thing that they could maybe do is like have him fail somehow because he really hasn't failed up to the point that we've seen him like the ancient one died sure but he kind of made his peace with her like he has to fail in a way that he will never get right. any peace from that right and the fact that he's still learning and he is still making mistakes and he can't quite produce a weapon very well he's uh, also not the Sorcerer Supreme at this point right um, I think that what we would really like to see happen with him in an Avengers role is we would really like to see him help Wanda yeah. really 
realize her potential and that the magic is not something she got from the Infinity Stone, but more that it brought it out of her. And possibly a triangle between Vision, Doctor Strange, and Scarlet Witch. I don't need a love triangle. I, I don't need no, romance. No, she's way I'm, too I'm, young for him. But yeah, but at the, but at the same time, romance. you could see... I'm just saying from a comic standpoint, I could see them doing that in a yeah. comic. In a comic, maybe, but I don't need that in my movies. I don't yeah. need that in my Avengers film. It'd be I'm, interesting to watch just from the standpoint of how Vision would react to jealous. I think the- Vision, you can get that without Doctor Sh- without Stephen Strange being True. like, yeah, I want to, I want to hit that. But I think <laughs> that she would look to him as more of a mentor. You would totally say he, that too. And he, and he would look to her as like someone he's, in, he's helping. I don't think they're. I think his love for Christine and her love for Vision. Um, I'm also like, I understand why they're doing it, but I've said this before. It's like why they're folk, why these films folk take one of the love interests out of so many in the comic and folks on Pop- Pepper Potts and folks on Jane Foster and focus on Christine or, or uh, Hulk and uh, Betty or you know so I think that Hulk and have Natasha Hulk and Natasha or you know Clint and Natasha um, which thankfully they didn't do because I hated that storyline I always wanted him with Bobby um, but, but I like Clint's I do I like I like where they've, they've taken that storyline I like that they chose that timeline for Clint um, but you know these are all characters who had multiple love interests look at Daredevil in Tony's, for example in Tony's <laughs> case hundreds of love interests we don't need to we don't need to bring like a lot of romance into it I think the way that they dealt with Cap and Peggy from the start and I think that's always more romantic for us ladies okay. uh, in some ways but I think theirs was the only really true love that we had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe the one we invested uh, in anyway yeah it, I think it was because it was here yeah. it was it wasn't based on sex it wasn't based on lust it was based on these two people who actually got to know each other and I think Tony and Pepper come close but I in the comics I never liked Pepper and Tony together because they were never really together. Yeah, uh, I preferred her with Happy. Um, I think they did a better job of like making them more compatible in the movies, though. And I'm kind of totally. sad that they like have to cut it out now because Pepper pa- or um, Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't want to do any more movies. So. And neither does Natalie well, I, It actually works with Natalie Portman, I'm actually fi- I'm actually fine with Gwyneth Paltrow not wanting to do movies. What What is the big deal with people not liking Gwyneth Paltrow? She's just annoying, and I don't think she's that good an actress. So. Okay. Okay. But I, I love I love Natalie Portman. Um, I just think it was it was the casting was was a poor choice for Pepper. Yeah. I think you could have picked somebody else uh, who. But I think t- uh, her uh, Gwen Gwenny and Robert's fr- real life friendship helped that re- helped the chemistry. But I think you could have had a Pepper who was more peppery. <laughs> and I think and I think her absence absence actually fits into the overall story that they're trying to tell better. Yeah. No, with- I think Tony does better on his own. Honestly, yeah. I don't. I think when he has somebody like. It, out of a relationship with somebody, I think it's uh, it doesn't suit him. But before we go on, but before we go on to our next thing, I want to say two things. I'm really looking forward to see, to seeing more Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland because in the comics, yes. Spider Man and Iron Man and Cap, Cap and Cap and Iron Man look at Spider Man as a little brother. Like he's like their he's like their adopted child. Yeah, and the one the one team up in let in, the fan fiction begin. The, <laughs> one, the, the one team up I really want to see in in maybe. It's just because it's how much I respect these two performers. I really want to see T'Challa and Doctor Strangeness together. Yes, I do, I do too. Yeah, but um, um, I, I look forward to that. Um, so yeah, my basic review of Doctor Strange is loved it. Just that one little thing was bothering me. Um, <laughs> I can't believe our Benedict. next film is 
not until next May. I know, but uh, I thought that we get Wonder Woman between them. Yeah, and Iron Fist for for MCU fans. But speaking of MCU on TV, we got some Inhumans news, which is interesting too, because like a a TV show shot released for two episodes entirely in IMAX, and the first two episodes are going to be distributed in IMAX theaters, which is for only two weeks. For only two weeks. Still, but it's still really interesting. Just it's like, it's an interesting it's an interesting choice. Um, we'll see how it does. Maybe they're trying something new. This is something that's going to be a thing now. Yeah. So I haven't heard much about it. So I'm well. There isn't much news about it. I know. I just heard that. Well, the only thing that's really news. The only thing we really know is that about the it's on the technological side of it. <laughs> like again, it's shot entirely on IMAX cameras for the first two episodes. Yeah. And my and my thing is this: if it was wasn't shot in on IMAX cameras, and I love IMAX cameras. I don't get me wrong; I love the IMAX experience, even though it's kind of hard for being in a wheelchair going to an IMAX theater. My big issue with this: I would rather have seen um, Inhumans go to Hulu or Netflix. I think I think Netflix might have had a, a, a budget that could deal with uh, with an inhuman special effects kind of budget. Because Nikki, well, you know what I'm gonna say. I don't want another Agent Carter. Well, I I don't want them to break my heart again. Yeah. But I mean, the thing about it is, like, IMAX probably went to Marvel and was like, "We want to start doing TV shows." Well, what do you think would would work well for us? And Marvel was like, "Oh, let's. Well, why are we doing humans? <laughs> why? Because we we were gonna do a movie and then we decided not to." Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, like, like, like taking in humans off the slate was that was right when like um, IMAX came to them and they just like have been working out like the logistics <laughs> up to this point. So. And it would make more sense to do it on TV. And I understand the reasons why doing it on ABC, just because it could have fits better with HBO. But if I'll just say this to close my, all my views, if it's gonna be on Agents of Shield and we don't see and we don't see Jay Johnson anywhere, I'm gonna be very disappointed and a little. Well, it's the well, it's the Royal Inhumans, so I want, I don't know if they're going to be on Earth or in space. That's the problem. But if they are, but I'm saying if they are going to be on Earth, then there needs to be a Daisy Johnson. Yeah, game. of course, yeah. there needs to be a crossover at some point, multiple times, or send Daisy over there permanently. Yeah, <laughs> it, would, it would be nice to get a reference to Ronan the Accuser because for people who know anything about the Inhumans, the Kree did create the Inhumans, and Ronan the Accuser is the most well-known Kree we've seen in the MCU so far. Yeah. Right. So. Um, and one last uh, thing here: um, yes. two comic books are of note, are of interest, possibly to our listeners this week. Um, they they just be start an all new Ghost Rider, as in Robbie Reyes uh, series, just started this week. Yes, oh awesome! And, which is really good. I picked it up. It's like um, uh, Robbie seems to be um, just, exp- um, and also Amadeus Cho is totally awesome. Hulk is in it, and um, X twenty three is in it too. So we're uh, um, there's going to be an interesting story there. And um, No Angel by um, Adrian Plicky and her brother Eric is uh, hitting is um, on the shelves as well, and it's um, uh, the character is drawn remarkably like Adrian. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, the um, basic story is that uh, the kid, the main character, is a uh, veteran and um, an FBI officer who um, whose father and brother have just been brutally murdered in their house, and so she is now back in her tiny Wisconsin town trying to. Um, 
solve their murders, and she finds a little bit more than she was bargaining for. Which, all is, all, say. which is always the case when you're doing a story like this. Right. Exactly. So. Well, good for Adrian. So support her and support comics and support your local comic book and, stores, guys. And unfortunately, we've got some tra- tragic news earlier this week, late last week, that Ron Glass of Firefly fame, and he did a couple episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. passed mm-hmm. away. So rest yeah. in peace, Shepard. Yeah. I was actually really sad by that because I didn't know that he was in poor health at all. I thought he was. No, we don't. Still, we still don't know really what happened. So I think uh, they said respiratory failure, but I don't know. Yeah. What well, to, um, well, to be fair, like, uh, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but he wasn't a young man when he did Firefly. No, this he was true. 71 when he passed, and I mean, he had a very long career. I mean, I remember as a kid, he was on, you know, Barney Miller. So somebody posted, you know, hope you're having a coffee, a horrible cup of coffee up with Jack Sue, who was one of yes. the characters. And, and uh, hopefully. Uh, get reincarnated into something cool because he was a Buddhist, which is which was yes, the running joke yes. because he's playing a priest on Firefly, but he's actually a Buddhist. As am I, so I I hope to see him again. But as Nathan said, don't go far, Shepard. Yeah. So. And, uh, unfortunately, so now, and unfortunately, we should all give up hope that um, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four will be getting into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because Kevin Feige in a recent interview with Variety pretty much dispelled those rumors. Well, really? we kind of knew that was going to happen. So but please a, get the Fantastic Four of, back. In a year of horrible news. We need Kang, we need Kang and we need Dr. Doob in our Avengers film. <laughs> well... Okay. So now, that, now let's move on to things we can actually like be happy about. Okay. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Today? What are we doing today, James? We're discussing episode seven of season four of Agents of Shield, titled "Deals with Your Devils." <laughs> In the pale balloon. <laughs> actually, that's dances with devils, but yeah. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um. After losing half their team, the remaining members look for answers as time begins to run out for Ghost Rider. Okay. So, so where has our team, half of our team, gone, and why are they sepia toned? <laughs> I called it the yellow dimension on Twitter. And it just, <laughs> Because I was like, I, I didn't. My first thought was not sepia. My first thought was yellow. It just, like, it, just, it just looked like an old, oldie fashioned photograph, which I thought was a very, a very interesting way to differentiate between the two dimensions. Yeah. Uh, was you had to change them. You had to make them distinct from each other, so you knew when you were in which one. Um, sepia tone was just the first thing I thought of when I was like, oh my god, they're in sepia. It's like Spaceball <laughs> One. It's gone to plaid. Here's what. Here's what. Here's what was interesting with me that the characters. You mentioned that because usually when you're in an alternate dimension and the colors different, you don't mention that at all. It's like yes. it's not you're not aware of it, but they they are aware of it, and that's one thing that you know I love that they kept their sense of humor. Do we look that stupid on comps? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Clark improvised that. I would not be surprised. <laughs> he very well might have. Uh, so our team is, so we've got Robbie and Fitz and Coulson in what has been described as an alternate dimension. Probably one of the men um, like it's like the Like the way they feel to describe it as being dragged down and with the Doctor Strange like being released as it was, I feel like it's more of like a, um, like it's them sort of being sucked towards the dark dimension. Yeah. Yeah, I think that definitely could be, it could be read that way. And I think they left it open to to all of our speculation as to what where they actually were.
were. And the fact that they made a very noticeable uh, comment that this wasn't the same as Lucy yeah. because they couldn't interact with anyone. See, and kids, they, this so is what they knew it me. wasn't, they weren't in the box because <laughs> they were able to go move around and they were able to try to interact and they were able to listen. So the fact that they could hear everybody and see what they were doing and like judge them. Apparently they're able to talk to technology though for some reason. <laughs> yeah. See, kids, this um, is what happens when you don't bring your sling ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think the fact that I really, one of the things I liked about their time in that other dimension as we're, as I'm calling it, is that Robbie really kind of joined the team yeah. there. He really kind of bonded with Fitz and, and Coulson, even though they were only together briefly. It was they helped each other. They were going to get each other through it, and they were going to save, they were going to figure out how to get out of there, or they were all going down together kind of thing. And this is the first uh, time we've actually seen Robbie kind of worried post his yeah. transformation. Yeah, he really, he he had fear in his eyes, and usually there's no fear in those eyes, utter confidence, uh, or think it's, just evil. It might have been because, like, I mean, we, we kind of saw a pretty noticeable separation once, um, like, it was became clear that the spirit, whatever, the rider spirit, whatever it is, mm-hmm. if it's the Rathos or not, was very, um, was separating itself from Robbie. Like, <laughs> you could, you kind of, you could, there were just subtle things that, in um, Gabriel Luna's performance, that kind of, like, felt different in terms of how he, would, how he acted when he was bonded with the rider. Well, I think, Absolutely. It, I think we've established, too, that the rider, after what he did to Mac, which we'll get into, is kind of like the Venom and Carnage symbiote. If it sees a different host or an opportunity to move to a different host, it will take that opportunity if it can bond with that host. Right, and the fact that, I mean, it knew Robbie was being dragged down. It had, Robbie, he could do nothing for Robbie, where he, and Robbie couldn't do anything for him where they were. So he was able to transcend whatever was going on, the, the, the spirit of vengeance, and go into Mac. Um, I think that was uh, a very, very bold move for the special effects and for the story. Is Mac obviously has something that the writer wants. What did you yeah. guys think of he the... He has vengeance in his heart for something. What did, and what... so the writer is attracted to that. What did you no. guys think of the Tarantino-esque kind of storytelling within this episode? It was interesting. Like, it wasn't exactly Tarantino-esque. It was just very, like, you could see the parallels to it, and it was interesting. Just, um... Yeah, and I think uh, it was going back to Mac really quickly. Let's just jump into that since we were talking about it. Um, yeah, uh, I think it wasn't really attracted to. It was just kind of attracted just a, the little bit of thing that Mac wanted to do, and just like the fact he wasn't agreeing necessarily with the director's decisions. And then once it got in there, it was like, oh wait, this guy's really not that bench. Yeah. And then um, uh, it was like he, he even he even said like he can live off the pain, not necessarily the vengeance in his heart. So right. well, yeah, There's... it's kind of like the symbiote in the sense of you need to have some rage or kind of something wrong with you for this thing to bond with you. If you're a fully formed person, it's not going to want to have anything to do with you. Right, yeah. I think it definitely was like Mac was the, the one who had the anger in him and wanted to go. At and, the moment. At the moment. And I think once he once the spirit got in there, it was like, there's something going on, but I can't subsist on this. And Robbie still had a lot of work to do. And the fact that Robbie you know, uh, said, I will help you. Here's, you know, here's one thing I wonder. Like, at the very, very end, the way Mac was acting, it looked it seems like he might still have either the rider or some other spirit in him. I'm not really sure. It's weird. I think that something came out of the, the way, I thought that too, and I think when I rewatched it this morning, I was like, I think that it maybe brought up things that he thought he had buried. Because he was sitting there in the, yeah, in the room, and he had, holding holding the photo, and it said Hope, and it was dated 06. And I was like, did he have a child named Hope? 
Mm-hmm. Is that why he the spirit like is that something he wants that he has uh anger over or some kind of well, feeling that he needs to avenge something? Well going or, back to that is that it's just like the way he talked, like I know you're not alone, like what the hell is like what what how does he know that if like what was the spirit like have was the spirit making plans before he left to Robbie? I don't really Well going back know. to Doctor Strange for a little bit, the agent one talks about Mordo talking about how he beat his demons. We don't, be- and the ancient one goes, we don't beat our demons. We just like have a, have a better time controlling them. And I think this applies to Mac. Some stuff you just never get over. You just learn how to deal with it. Yeah. And I think w- with that photo, I think we're, we're, with what we're seeing, with everything that went, went on last season with Bobby and Hunter leaving, with all the disappointments he's had, Mac's been weakened and he's not been weakened like this for a long time. I think it's a lot of things. And I think maybe the spirit brought up a lot of things in him that he didn't want to deal with and now he has to and that's possibly what and there might be you know he might remember the spirit being in him and they might he might have talked about I thought it was very cool in that whole sequence with Mac being inflicted with the writer spirit I just thought it was a really cool chance to see Robbie and the spirit of vengeance talk because yeah. they don't talk to each other it's like and the whole I, talking to Bruce you never see that right and I thought that that was really beautifully done and Gabriel Luna did a, a fantastic job in that scene so did Henry Simmons like yeah. he could, it, it didn't feel like Mac that's for sure no yeah. it, he did a really good job of, of separating them and then when he flamed up it was like holy crap and I think now Mac and Robbie have a like respect for each other now because I think there's a, Mac I think at least understands an Robbie better I think than he did before yeah I think there's an understanding I don't know about anything else but I think that you know Robbie uh, I think definitely has worked his way into you know the team and I think and, come on we need another bromance we need, a, <laughs> we need a bromance on this show. Yeah. Um. So our team is in an half of our part of our team is in an alternate dimension. Another one is missing in action. Another one's May possessed. is losing. May is losing her mind. Yeah. Uh, Not in the way she was earlier. I know this thrilled the Felinda shippers because <laughs> it looked like yes. Uh, I'm feeling how it's going to be. Okay, if they're not going to kiss up the other side, so it's going to be like cricket. <laughs> Why do a man and a woman have to be in a relationship? Why they don't. They just I'm just saying that the way they're writing the show right now. It just feels like it has to happen. Good God. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I wanted Melinda to at least hug, though. But she's not. That's not who she is. It's like she's not a hugger. Yeah, and I think they know that about each other. They know, yeah. they know each Col- other. Coulson is a more demonstrative human being, but even he is a little held, held back in that department. But Melinda May, she does not show affection. And especially, I think, after Andrew, I don't think she's going to be starting changing that part of herself anytime and, because she does it to keep people at arm's length. And well, unfortunately, not at arm's length. There's like she can't help keeping she can't keep him at arm's length just because No, that's like, who, that's who Colson is to her. It's like he's her safe place. And I don't think she would do anything to jeopardize that. And I don't think Colson would either. I think you know, I, I think it's really cute, the Felinda shippers. I just I would rather I think they're stronger as friends yeah. and as allies than they are as a couple than they could ever be as a couple. Because then you have the emotion of I mean they already have enough emotion in their relationship with worrying about each other and miss you know when I mean just the how look how she went off semi off the rails and I, was I the only one that was kind of like yelling at May to uh, when she was trying to get Radcliffe to open the book like no no yeah. no no no, no. <laughs> I think everybody was and I think that they had the best solution to that which we'll get to on a 
related note, this this episode unfortunately shows us that Melinda May is, is at this point, or maybe at any point, able to be the director of Yield. Yeah. I mean, she's, yeah. she's too guided by, like... Her emotions. Even though she yeah. cuts herself off from those emotions, she still feels those emotions. And unfortunately, this a situation like this proves to us that she is not capable of building. She, she kind of turns into a little bit of a bully when she's, like, put on the big right. plate. Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I, I think she'd be the first one to say she's she's not she doesn't want to be the director of shield speaking of the director how <laughs> annoying was the, the, the guy doing his doing his i'm the manager of staples but also the director of shield like it didn't bother me in the episodes before this but dude if you're not gonna help shut up <laughs> i i honest yeah i was like okay he annoyed me in this episode totally but i also think that he kind of doesn't know what to do because <laughs> who would have thought who would have thought this could have happened i mean i think that he's being thrown in to the deep end with this yeah. and he really needs colson because colson at least has seen aliens and gods and uh i told his dealt been, with tony stark successfully been so, stabbed and brought back to life exactly i think and i you know i love that life where he's not he can't die again oh, uh oh, i love that line from him by the way i hate seeing my own death <laughs> Actually, or did he say I, it wasn't demise? I think he said demise, actually. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> And hopefully uh-huh. you'll be dealing with guys with iron fists soon. Yes, let's hope. But um, I think that, that yeah, I think Coulson, I, I think he and Fitz being stuck there together was probably the best combination Yeah, to get trapped together. They um, started to understand each other a lot more, I think, in terms of, like, I believe they both understood each other really well. Yeah, I think that they're, and I think that even Fitz's little breakdown, which we'll get to later. Uh, Andy Kasker is just knocking out the park amazing this season. actor, oh my god. He's been knocking out yeah. the park this season. He's the like, he's like the utility hitter that's not the star, but you're damn sure you've got him on your team. Right. And like, as I was just like and, raving when he was like doing that scene. I was just like, okay, you are so freaking good. Yeah. Where's the Emmy? Yes. Um, so our team, you know, we have half two, three members of our team, because I do sort of Robbie part of our team. Yeah. Three members of our team trapped in the sepia zone and then trying to figure out and trying to talk to everybody and see everybody. And I love that Fitz overheard uh, Mace's phone call because yeah. it, I think that there's a part of the of his secrecy, the Mesa's secrecy that needs to be revealed, and I think yeah. Fitz is the best one. Um, I don't and it's know more than what just he'll a, say. And it's more than just a deal with Senator Evil Mindy Kaling. There's, yeah, there's exactly. Gotta, there's got to be more to it than just what we've seen with Simmons, but do we want to get into that, by the way? We will, just a sec. That's our next point, but I just think that even though they were separated, our team still worked as a team. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I love seeing them shouting at each other like even though they couldn't hear and daisy like, finally don't over. open the book and don't daisy finally getting book. over her crap finally which thank god yeah but i i still don't think i'm ready for her to come back and i don't think well Colson neither am i but this is the one episode where she was the least annoying she's been yeah this entire season. i will say yeah so and while we're off in sepia land and yelling at each other and trying to get our our boys back the boys simmons, are back in town. Secret, simmons secret assignment is by 
finally revealed, and she has been sent blindly to, into to fear, a tent to, to fear father from the beast. Suit. To fear father from the beast. I'm sorry. When I watched this episode with Simmons, I was like, "This is like Beauty and the Beast with Terrigen Miss." <laughs> Except I'm like really nervous because I mean, it seems like Sandra Nadir's brother. We don't know his first name. I don't do we? Um, Wait, not that we know of. I mean, it might have been on those all those letters that were piling yeah. up in his house, but we didn't. Yeah, know but either way, I don't. I, his name is Gaston. Don't use this as like an excuse to start a love triangle here because it seems like he definitely like um will at least be loyal to Gemma if um he does if, the, if they're ever they, allowed to see each other again. Yeah, and yeah. also it seems like um like loyalty like the way like just the way that they were saying that up and just like oh god please don't yeah isn't he like the new no, will they, he looks no, like the no. new I, I honestly I honestly don't think they'll do that because we just did that yeah. and I think that if there's anything I don't think she would feel anything for him except yeah. you know a sense of I'm so sorry this happened to you and I will help you well, that, but I think yeah. what he would she's feel like, is, little, she's like she like feels for him and that she like helped him right and like I know what you're going through because I've seen people go through this and I can help you because that's who Gemma is and I think, especially the hug between her and Fitz at the end of the episode yeah, yeah. but I think that uh, the brother I think his his only feelings are gratitude I mean she talked to him while he was still in his cocoon and what took as him a hum- so long as a, as a human being and I'm I'm gonna help you I, and as it started to crack I think that his gratitude and kind of he might feel like she freed him and gave him like a kind like voice to like follow Tells all this I do but, wonder like why if um like why he stayed in there for so yeah, long that's my, like he was that's my question why did he stay so long he wasn't what are his done powers cooking. what are his powers was it done uh, well somebody speculated that he might be one of the inhumans known as Phobos I don't know anything about Phobos but the, and the, I don't either <laughs> well well to be fair Lash was a very new addition to the comics when they debuted him on Shield. he'd only been around a year so if we don't know anything about these inhumans and no, knowing that they're gonna relaunch the inhumans in the comics we will probably see a lot more new characters it, yeah. it's true and we probably he might be one of the crossover characters that goes over there um but mm-hmm. i i think that the fact that she was that Gemma was taken away to because i mean i think mace trusts her but i also worry that he's gonna use her as a fall guy um, well yeah well mace, mace is definitely using her as a fall guy at some yeah. in this thing for sure hottest fall guy ever so <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I, I just wanted to know like what he's going to do in the future. And I hope he, um, like, I hope whatever the government does to him, it doesn't erase his character because I feel like, um, his sister is definitely not going to, uh, um, see or try to see him as a person and more like either as a weapon or someone she like is forced to deal with because it has to be more than Gemma just needs to get him out of the mist. It has to be more than just that. Well, that's. Seems to be the, I mean, if he had been in there for a long time and having her there was what brought him out finally, I mean, one, how could they possibly know she could have done that? Except the only reason they, you know, they brought her there that we know of that he said was, you know, she has the most experience and she could do so. But as soon as he emerged, they threw a bag over her head and dragged her out. And he wasn't even fully out of the mist yet when but, he did that. Right. But then you have to think, was that because they'd been calling and calling and calling for her? Like Mace had been trying to get her out, like try to get her back because they needed 
get her back at HQ or and they were like okay he's out we got to get her out of here now and bring her back later or something so I don't know if it was it may be, or is it, it if she be, stays too long she'll figure out who this guy is He'll it may be a little bit of both day. really Maybe. because they took her away before he would after you know before she could get his name because she that's the last thing she said it was she asked him what his name was yeah, maybe and a then bit they of took both. him away maybe yeah. a little bit of both because that's my biggest thing coming out of this like <laughs> we we know how how dangerous uncle eli is now and we'll get get to that link a little bit later but mm-hmm. what what is what is this inhuman and why did it take him so long to break out of the mist when it usually took like most people a couple minutes it's actually just like a set like two like a couple seconds yeah like like yeah. it was really well, we... like they get covered and then they just break out like basically immediately yeah and it, I'm took, thinking it is... took daisy and reina you know a good you know a few minutes but um we don't like they said we we know he's been in there for a long time and so the odds i mean i always thought the odds of him being alive in there were were just almost nil and but it, it for surprised some reason, me that his heart was it, still beating within the mist too right and maybe that's it he was in the mist when he was at his house when his his sister was was hanging out there they weren't like spraying him with terrigen mist but um yeah i think the whole situation needs a really good resolution we need really good answers to those questions they can't just i think because we're smarter about all these things now because of the show because of the films that they need to give us a really satisfactory answer not just say just because and yeah, i don't think they, the, they, they, they understand the, that too and with the right right like, which is what my point is like they understand that we're not going to accept that and with the announcement that the new show is coming also there is this another big question in the air of who exactly is our big bad for this season because we yeah. have we have three candidates we have guy who just came out of miss we don't know what his purpose is yet and how powerful he could potentially be we have ada which we'll, we'll talk about in a couple minutes and we have uncle eli right i feel like eli's story is going to wrap up in the winter finale just yeah, because I think so too. what i, I think what it, i think the thing about it is like um i feel like just based on what eli is in the comic books and where um and like the things that the writer and Bobby talked about that i feel like eli will become some kind of like will somehow like the spirit might bond to eli and then they'll kind and then eli will be killed somehow or just like his body will be disintegrated and um the spirit and eli will become one thing and then they'll just jump back to robbie and then that's how robbie gets eli's voice stuck in his head so i mean that's my thought but i don't know i think if they wrap it up in the next week our our mid our winter finale bs um (laughs) uh, but i have no opinion about that (laughs) (laughs) i think if i think it might make some people go well what was the point because they only did that for a couple episodes and then who's our big bad if it's not eli um i think that if they even if they we ended on like a cliffhanger of him dying or you know disappearing somehow and becoming one with the spirit we'd still have eli as our big bad it would just be in a different form i just don't but i think you can't you can't take there's something about what he's doing that to me is more important than just letting the story his story end next week i think that his ability to create what he's creating and the ties it has to you know what we learned in agent carter in season two i think there's something more to that and i think that if they they really wanted to keep us as interested in the show as we are they need to explore that they can't just drop storyline and plot point um just because oh well let's move on to something else like no what is what is the point of bringing this ability to our team what is the point of bringing the ability to create matter and this to bring zero matter back to us if you're just going to use it briefly it is too it is too dangerous a substance it's too dangerous a power to just disappear again we need we need to finish off its story or we need to continue it and we 
need to continue it until there is a resolution to what this is, how it's used, and how we can destroy it and how we can negate the effects of zero matter. I think if they're smart writers, which we've seen that they are, that they will continue with the zero matter part of the story. And I think leaving us with the dark hold and with whatever Ada's doing, which we'll discuss in a minute, I think that might be how they continue it. To Nikki's that- point, I don't want this to be like what well, Once Upon a Time kind of does. And you don't have to know, watch the show to understand what I'm about to say. They start what, what they started in season three is at the winter finale, they would end a story and when they would come back, they would start another one. So they would have two separate stories within one season. I, There's a reason I stopped watching that show. I, I hope, well, whether you like it or whether you don't, I hope they don't do that here. No, I hope they don't. Yeah. That that to me, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. deserves better. We have better writers than that. And I because think Eli that... really hasn't done anything this season hardly at all. There's right. been a lot of build up, but what are we building up to? Right, exactly. And I think we need to have a comprehensive story. We're always, every season, we're at risk of cancellation. Um, and every season, like season two and season three just knocked it out of the park. I mean, we had great story. And now that we're officially, you know, we're not tied to the movies anymore. We're not affecting the movies and the movies aren't really affecting us anymore, except in minor ways, like mentioning the Sokovia Accords. It's like, well, what are we as a show? We're a great cast. We have good writers, but we're, I don't want to start going in circles and just doing a big bad of the week. Um, I want the show to be stronger because it, it is a, a strong show. And I don't want them, I don't want it to weaken in any way. I think this episode was the best of the season so far. Yeah. And, it wasn't just a comeback episode. But I, I worried so much going into the last few episodes of the season and something my roommate and I talked about is where is the show going? What's the point of the show? Yeah. If we're not affecting anything, if we're not affecting the Netflix shows, if we're not affecting the cinematic, the, the movies, if we're just our own little world, what are we really affecting? What are we really contributing to the cinematic universe except an entertaining show? And as much as I am entertained by this show, and it is one of my very favorite shows, I worry about this show more than I worry about any of the other shows I watch. Well, yeah, it's because been on the I worry block every year. Right. And I worry about our ratings, and I worry that we're not going to be able to sustain an audience if we don't have a point to our show, to the whole series as, as a whole. If it's just a little show that we stick over here in the corner, like, you know, nobody sticks Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a corner. <laughs> okay. I, I, I want this show to mean something in the greater scheme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I want Coulson and his legacy to mean something. I want us to have brought him back. I want all those freaking signs I made and all the chalk drawings and all everything we all did as part of the movement. I want that to mean something more than a show that doesn't have impact. Well, yeah, I mean, like, thank that's you for- why I want this storyline with the dark, with the zero matter, or the dark matter, whatever we want to call it, or whatever he is, Eli is working on. I want that to continue because I think this is something that we can show into and affect the world, affect the cinematic universe. To and Nikki, I think our show deserves it. To Nikki's point, I've forgotten how much like fan buzz and fan support there was to bring Coulson back. And yes, I was disappointed that Marvel kind of relented just because I thought Coulson's story was like well well rounded enough to like mm-hmm. to leave him dead. But at the same time, if we're gonna bring him back, make it mean something. And quite right. frankly, they've kind of wavered off on that a little, a little, not too much. That but, that that that's been my biggest worry is that they would forget kind of what Coulson means. Yeah. And I was really glad in this episode that Coulson's absence so affected every single person, not just May, not just Mac, but it also affected, you know, Daisy. It also affected Mace. It affected, also affect, yeah. affected 
everybody. Director, so. yeah. Because it, it affected Fitz, it, even though Fitz was like right there with him. It's and still I, and affected. I, I think, yeah, I think that Coulson's presumed death, which I cannot go through again, guys. Um, <laughs> I had to deal with it enough the last time, and and it did yes, see, yes, seem like a did, death. Right? Yes, it was the fans who brought, who convinced Marvel that this was a character who didn't deserve to die. But the way the way I get, and I understand, he brought the Avengers together. His death was was the rallying cry. But that that we can't we don't we there's no way to take that away from him because he did die. And in the Marvel in the films, he is still dead. And in the Mar- in the films, he is still the glue, just like he's the glue on our show. Yeah. And he will never stop being the glue. And I think that without him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole, I really don't think these the films would have been as strong. I don't think they would have been had the emotional impact they have had for all of us. I'm talking I'm talking way back in phase one because he was pro- there in the beginning. I think he was the emotional center point of the phase one. Well, he certainly wasn't Thor. I thought he was in Thor. He was in Thor. He was in the first two two Iron Man films. He was in Thor. He was in the Avengers for sure. I mean, he was the reason. Even though he was kind of basically fridged. You kind of have to agree. Like, he was basically fridged. Oh, I I agree. He was fridged. But (laughs) I think that they recognize that they made that wall at the time, the decision to kill Coulson to be the, uh, the assembling moment of the Avengers. They needed something. He was the one who he I think if Fury died there wouldn't have been the emotional impact yeah. if Maria Hill died definitely not the emotional impact one of the Avengers what's the point of Aveng- of assembling them then I think it had to be Coulson I absolutely agree with that I agreed with it when it happened I didn't to Nikki, like it to Nikki's I point cried. to Nikki's point when they killed um controllably when they killed Pietro <laughs> Maximoff in Age of Ultron yeah did anybody does anybody even really remember that I do I, I absolutely do well no like but comparing it to Coulson. I think it was. It I think it was same, it right. It didn't have, no, but we also had you know four movies with Coulson. True. We had you know his. We fell in love with him in the first one because of his ability to handle Tony Stark effectively and to not put up with his bullshit. And in Iron Man two, even more so. <laughs> and then in Thor, it was like uh, you know is that what a Starks? I don't know. The guy never tells me anything. <laughs> you know. And in the you know a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. You know and. So I think that if if the show is smart, they need to keep our emotional investment in Coulson, but they also need to start making what is going on in this Agents of Shield world and what is going on in the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They have to make them. They have to make them meet up somehow and affect each other. Because otherwise, this one, this otherwise shows... we're just a show about nothing. Otherwise, we're just a show about running in circles chasing bad guys. And how many shows do we have? And have we had over the years that are a bunch of good guys going around chasing bad guys? CBS is built around that right actually. <laughs> so i really you know this show is this episode gave me hope that they're finally that they're not going to go there that they're going to start being smarter well, about how they structure our seasons and how they structure the story and the, the thing about the like show. the netflix shows and the reason why those I was work just about to say. Is that they the netflix shows all like are basically metaphors for something mm-hmm. yeah, like exactly. daredevil's a metaphor for morality jessica jones is a meta- metaphor for like women as in the modern world and like Luke Cage is a metaphor for black people in the middle modern world and it's going to be interesting to see what Iron Fist's like central metaphor is but I think it's probably going to be the relationship between white people and minorities I, th- I, think, I think the metaphor here is like 
like you've gone away and you've come back home, but home isn't anything like you remembered it to be. Right. It's it's about a journey. I think Iron Fist is going to be about the metaphor of the journey being and how the the true uh, message of your life is not in the destination, but yeah. in how you get there. And I I need and I think you're absolutely right. I agree with the meta- that those shows are metaphors for things that are going on in the world, and we need to be reflecting that on Agents of Shield. And it doesn't well. need to. Connect- we need to become. We need to become a metaphor for something. And it doesn't need to connect. Show. And it doesn't need to. The Defender shows do not need to connect directly to the Avengers because no. it's not. They're in two separate. They're like not in two separate worlds, but you don't. You don't have a general talking about street crime. But right. with Agents of Shield, it came from the Avengers. It came right. as a result of something that came directly from the Avengers. Then if, it, if it doesn't tie in, then like Nikki was saying earlier, it's a waste. Right. Yeah. And, and I think we need to. Up. We need to find. The heart of the show is Phil Coulson. I mean, I think we can pretty much agree on that. Um, he is the character who is the heart, but we need to find what that metaphorical heart is. Mm-hmm. It like, can't where... just be Coulson and his angels. Yeah. Yes, it's a, it's a, it needs to be like there's. And I think what the team has really been based around, at least for this entire the entire show, really has basically been like a family. And I think the first three seasons with um, Grant, especially, like it was um, what happens when your family betrays you, and what happens right. when you feel like your family is fractured and i think this is still happening a little bit like in season four but i think like once daisy comes to terms with what she's um dealing with i think the show has the potential to um like stand for something more and i think what it might end up doing especially with robbie and like his story and where he comes from as a person i think it might be um depending on what they do i think it might be a question of like um a group of people being able to solve things that are bigger than than any one of them could do by themselves and i think it's uh some in some ways a more uh relatable version of the avengers in that like none of these people have any powers except for daisy and somewhat colson and that's it and right. um i think that maybe maybe a good reason to actually like metaphor like as a story person like maybe take daisy out because now that she has powers there is um like she kind of feels like yep. an outsider she upsets oh. the balance i told yeah, yeah that's a, you put it beautifully um and marvel said and Marvel said, like Chloe Bennett from the very beginning of the pilot, for bigger things, I've always felt. So to get her I, out, I, yeah. So to get her out, like, and it's not just because of her looks. I mean, she has a charisma about her that then they like, like Sarah Finn knew what she was doing when she casted Chloe Bennett. So you could essentially take her to the Inhumans or do something like that. Right. It's not I think she's order. she's strong enough to join a team. I don't know if she's strong enough to lead a whole show. I, I, um, I think, she, I think she a show. Whereas I think in humans TV is. show if like as like the same way she was for the first season of Ages of Shield, like the outsider who's coming into right. something that is a lot bigger than they ever expected and can be like a guiding eye for us. And I think like that would be especially cool, like if the Royal and Human like if she does something so um like uh impressive in terms of the use of her powers and the extent that she goes to use them, like and that catches the attention of the Royal and Humans, then I think that would be a great way to like have have her um, move over there and then like be introduced to the world of the Royal and Humans. Over yeah. there. Wherever I, that I, is. <laughs> I, I agree completely. I think yeah. that would be the smartest way for them to go. And then she, being an inhuman as an outsider, even as an outsider, works her way in. She doesn't have to be the leader of the team. 
exactly. and I because as much as I think Chloe is improved immensely as an actor, this is really her first thing she's ever done. Yeah, she was a aside from being a pop star. In yeah, China. yeah, she was a singer uh, in China. It's she not bad, um, but I think that w- until she's strong enough to carry a show, I think she's better in a team environment because I think it makes her better, yeah. and I think surrounding her with actors who are as high quality as Clark Gregg and Ming Na Wen mm-hmm. think- only makes her stronger, and I think that they've probably helped her a lot. And then you add like Ian DeCastiger and and Elizabeth Hedstridge and Henry Simmons and you know John Hanna and you have all these people around her who are accomplished actors. Um, I think it elevates her performance. So if she is going off to Inhumans, I really wish her lot. I really wish her the best. Yeah. Um, I will miss I will miss Daisy. But if yeah. any of the characters were gonna go and I would be fine with it, would be her. Yeah. And I think the thing because about I think she's like, she's ready. The thing the thing about it is that the show up until this even up even all the way through its entire life has basically been about Daisy trying to find where she belongs and um, in season one she found out that it was um, that she is uh, well what where did season one end I'm trying to remember season, um, one, oh, season one ended with like Fury like, and season one was really more about Grant I think and then Daisy just kind of like being feeling betrayed by a person that she thought loved her and then the second season was about her finding her family and realizing that her family is not where she should be season three was kind of um, losing her way and losing her faith in humanity. Right. Like, again, same kind of idea with, like, someone who loved her, but then that person ended up dying, and the family that she had come to love has also sort of um, not felt like home. And I think with the Inhumans, she could find a home because these are people who uh, have powers and understand what she's, how she has to, like, the restraint she has to go through. And then mm-hmm. the thing about it is, like, that this would be a great way to wrap up her story, but then the sh- you're, with the show, you're left with, okay, now what do we go where do we go from here? Because um with Daisy, like Daisy has been that kind of developing character. Her story has been the central through line. And the other characters have gotten that sort of thing too, but I don't think any of but their stories at this never been the are like, fo- but they've never been the focus is what you're right. saying. Like they've never been like the actual like through line focus that's like been driving everything. Right. So I feel like um, we need to find like Robbie, I think is strong enough as a character that he could probably carry his own show with this way, just because like he's in such a, he's also in that kind of like niche of an outsider. Right. And that Gabriel Luna is a strong enough actor to do that. But, and I think it's but just like, confirm that Gabriel Luna is going to stick around through this rest of the season though yeah i think i think we're we're we've got him for the rest of the season um i think to your point of daisy being the through i think if she leaves a show and goes off to do the inhumans which i i would be thrilled for her for chloe because that's a huge thing for her um i think the show might actually be able to focus more on it's like what the what shield should be doing what or what are who is shield what is shield now we have basically have to (laughs) read sorry guys still sick um, Shield is revamping itself as an as an organization, and I think the show needs to do that. Yeah. And I think Daisy leaving is the best way for the show to go. We need to our focus is switched, and now we're going to get into what Shield does and make Shield matter again in the world because we're just like a bunch of agents running around right now, and but, that's yeah. fine. We're, but, we're 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 basically starting from scratch with Shield, but Shield was a powerful.
powerhouse in uh, Earth security, not just, you know, the U.S. or the world, but I mean, the world. And we yeah. need to get back to what S.H.I.E.L.D.'s mission statement was. And I yeah. think that's the problem with a lot of the, the detractors of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There was a little bit of too much focus on Daisy. And uh, mm-hmm. my, 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 my wish for the show, and this is just a small wish, is if she is going to be leaving to do what, to do another show or to like do a spinoff or whatever, Coulson needs to have a scene where, where he says just what Nikki was saying. We, we yeah. are S.H.I.E.L.D. We are the defense. We are the last line of defense for this Earth. We need to refocus to that. And I think I think that's why I liked season one so much is because, well, at least, yeah, season one, I think is still one of my favorite seasons, just even though everyone else doesn't really seem to like it. But I think it's that the first season one yeah. really yeah, felt that like... That first half was yeah. really rough. That was one of the roughest first halves. Any first well, season I've ever seen. Continue, well, I liked James. it because, like, you could see S.H.I.E.L.D. doing what S.H.I.E.L.D. does, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. is finding threats and understand and trying to understand them and i think like honestly i feel like having through lines in this show doesn't really make that much sense to me just because shield was and was so big that anything could be anything they were meant to go in and investigate any little thing and i feel like right. it worked better maybe as a procedural honestly than it is right now like that's just the way i've thought actually of it. I, I, absolutely, I agree with I that absolutely agree. I, agree with I think that. that you could do a procedural and not have it be procedural yeah you yeah. do it without that's it being like law and order because again. it was sort of procedural ish but it wasn't yeah. like right the last half of the one was some amazing television and yeah. I, I I have told so many people you're starting with season one okay just hold on just just get through the first ten episodes trust me it's worth it because yeah. you do get a sense of shield and I haven't had and yes shield fell in the winter soldier and yes shield fell on the show we saw some amazing performances come out of the fall of shield but shield is back now we're not in the shadows anymore and we need to rebuild the global powerhouse that is shield and we need like you said James we need to focus on the threats and we haven't been doing that and we're that's focusing I think on what one the threat, show needs really. to get it's not even like and really we're what it is on- it's like um, the, what we need to do is we need to like focus more on Sandra Nadir's story I think and we need to focus on that idea the idea of like prejudice against those right because it's going on in the world focus right on now. like the doing what's right even though we are told we shouldn't and I think that Mace really presents the problem here and we need to like focus on I think Mace really needs to be the big bad in the season in some way just like or Mason the deer that team needs to be the big bad because once we get to the point where we can find that um shield that like uh um shield that Nadir and Mace are obviously like working against the team like Coulson and his main group need to break off and start doing something to work against this so that shield can fulfill its purpose without so without working for an agenda or working towards something that is not um that is like working against the better interests of the United States exactly I think Mace, I think Mace. I think Mace needs to leave Shield. Or he and if he's to be gonna like, become the, if he's gonna become, no, he's controlled it. Right. He's gonna become. If he's gonna become the big bad, if he's or a baddie, we don't need him in Shield. We've already dealt with with Hydra within Shield and trying to bring Shield down and bringing Shield down. We, I don't want him in Shield while he's being a bad guy. I want him out. And I think that this episode could potentially be the start of the end for his directorship of Shield because he's showing he has a conflict of interest, like other people we know when <laughs> go, go, going um, going back to but, this oh sorry yeah go ahead. no um yeah let's get it we've go gone ahead. off on a wild 
tangent. Yeah, going, yeah. going, going back, going back to this episode though. Um, it was a good tangent. A tangent that was even one of my favorite scenes that James mentioned mentioned it in, in earlier in this episode. I love Fitz basically being like Hawkeye to to Iron Man in C- Civil War. Yeah, because because really, really, truly, like even though like Phil Coulson is his hero is Steve Rogers, he really is like an amalgamation of Steve Rogers and and Iron Man in the sense of Coulson stepping down to, from Shield was like Tony Stark saying, "If we don't do this now, they're gonna do it, do it to us in the line." At least we're at least we're gonna have one hand on the wheel, as Black Widow would say. And I understand it, but at the same time, bad stuff already happened, and you could have stopped it if you were still the director. What did you think of this Fitz right. and Coulson scene when they were when people were finding out what Ada actually was? I thought it was fantastic. I I love Ian DeCastecker's performance. I love Col- Clark's performance. I thought it was something that needed to be said. It's something that's been hanging over the show since we got back. And no one and has the guts to say it's a Coulson. Right. Fit he's in his fear for Gemma, which is very real and it was palpable. I mean, that's how good it was. Um, I think he wanted a lot of things come out when you're angry and, and things that you get stressed and scared and anxious and things come out that you maybe been holding on to that you didn't realize. And I think that we needed somebody to speak for us as an audience say, why did you do this? Why did you step down? And I think he understood. I think they understand each other better now. I think that uh, that Fitz understands Colson and why he did what he did. He's but he still doesn't like it. And that's fine. None of us like the fact that Colson's not director anymore. Um, I'm actually I was OK with it because he was he was never director Colson to me. He's he will always be agent Colson. But at the same but, time, you but like... I was not I was but I wanted to I wanted him to lead shield but maybe he's meant to lead a team rather yes. than the whole than the whole organization i think he might be more effective as a team leader than he is as an agency leader because yeah. as we've seen it's a lot of bs and pr and he's dead yeah. yeah and also the thing is like the problem with that is that there is no one else that they've set up that could, could potentially it. lead shield and i'm glad they're kind of like moving Gemma in that direction where she could potentially do it but the problem then be- again the problem becomes like who really is the only person qualified to lead yeah. shield Point Nick Fury. Point. Yeah, but Fury, yeah. But Fury, but Fury, but Fury's dead. But Fury's dead. And I, I was, I love the idea that the, the liquor that they're talking about in this episode actually is Fury's. Yeah. yeah. Like but Fury yeah, actually, there is one person, but we haven't seen her in forever. And I don't know if Colby Smulders would do it, but Maria Hill is the only other person who'd be qualified. And she hasn't yeah, been like this close to field operations in a long time. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, she worked for, she worked Tony. for Tony. And I think that if, if Colby, if Kobe was, willing I think she would be I think Maria Hill because it happened in the comic I think she would be a good leader for S.H.I.E.L.D. even though I was never a big fan of Maria Hill um, she served her role well she served her she, role she, well she, I think Kobe did a great job I think that you, you have to bring in somebody that we know right. because to bring in another unknown would just cause more suspicion I think exactly. really unless you're going to have a public face and a private face unless you're going to hire someone to do PR for you basically what if they say, brought in Ever Ross or bring, bring back Bobby and let Hunter direct you. But what if they did He was the director of Strike. He could do it. But what if um, they brought in Martin Freeman as for bosses as his? Oh. No, because we need him. We need him to make Sherlock. Um, and also Martin Freeman's expensive. Yeah, yeah and expensive. worth it. Worth it, but too expensive for our budget. Um, he seems like a pretty slimy character in 
sentenced in um, Civil War, so I don't think anyone would truly we'll, still we'll be that trusting but, him. But, but, we'll find, but I, I think, and I want to hear James's comments on, on the scene, because being a, a fellow Fitz fan, um, I thought it was the most powerful scene we've seen in a long time from yeah. any character. Oh, absolutely. I think it, the raw emotion evoked, I was just like, where's the, where's his Emmy? Where's the Emmy yeah. for both of them? Yeah. Uh, if they could give a, an Emmy for Bessine, yeah. um, I just thought he was speaking for us, which Fitz often does. Which you did with um, Daisy earlier this season. Yeah, yeah he, he is that, us. It should he be like, like the focus Nicole. of the, if Daisy leaves, Fitz should be the one that they like move into that position, I think. If, if they're gonna, if they do, if they go that way, yeah, I think Fitz would be the, the best choice. Um, and well, what I a think, transformation think... for Fitz, though. From oh, where yeah. he started to where he is now. He's made the most, like, 180 change out of anybody in this I think he's, his growth has been spectacular mm-hmm. and natural and not at all, oh my god, where'd this guy come from? It was, it's kind of like seen... Willow Rosenberg on Buffy. Like, yeah. like you've he... seen his progression. You've seen him get to this point. You didn't just turn up in a new episode and boom, he was super Fitz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but because he kind of has become this incredibly powerful character from this very shy, simple scientist. Um, and I think that this scene showed it very well because he 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 is a person who acts with his heart. Yeah. As as logical as he is and as brilliant a genius as he is with what he does and his and science and all the sciencey stuff he does. He is someone who thinks with who acts with his heart on his leave. Yeah. And he's a lot like Colson in that respect. Except Colson is a little more shut off. And that's why he's Fitz kind of is. disappointed in Colson for everything that I, I, Colson yeah. was responsible for. I think he Colson needed to hear it. Yeah. And Colson mm-hmm. needed to be able to answer it. I think his response was as powerful as Fitz's anger. Mm-hmm. Because you could see how the pain in Clark's face for Colson, like in his, that decision he had to make for Colson. And that he, you could tell that Colson did not make any of these choices lightly and that he only had the best interests of the team in mind and that was the only way to keep them all together. Yeah. And he couldn't lose his team. It's like the same. You look also that... see it from Fitz's perspective is, but you could have done so much good but i think bringing up you know the fact that he had he's like i'm dead you know he can't be a public face he can't be a public figure he could still run shield without doing that part of the job but i don't think we're there yet i don't think we've come to that conclusion yet the look of colson's face is very similar to to tony stark's face in the air in the airport before the big fight it's like you're gonna come with us because it's us i'm trying i'm trying to keep the team together right he's trying to keep the family together because tony longs for a family. Yeah. That is Tony's character. Coulson also has this need for family, but it's more of this work family mm-hmm. uh, because he doesn't have a personal life anymore. Um, but I think but that's just who the, Coulson is because of, he came from a family. But it's, the kind, but it's the kind of same kind of reaction too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm trying to keep this together I'm, the best I can. Things are going to fall apart with or without. I can't, right. I can't stop that. And that's basically what he tells Fitz in that scene. Right, which he, Fitz needed to hear. Mr. Hayful, yeah, I'm just like. I, this episode just caused me so much stress for so many reasons because I just feel like everything is about to go to hell. And yeah, we've talked as, about that before. Yeah, as much as... um, Well, the world is going to hell. Everyone's like, starting to think. feel like what they... Everyone's starting to hear what they need to hear. Like, it's just... Everything is so... Is at a tipping point and it's going to go bad really fast. I can see it. And I'm just like... I am really scared for everything. For both for the characters, for the storyline, for the show. Like, I, d- I don't want the show to end, like, in a way 
even if it gets canceled, I don't want it to end in a way that we feel like everything is just ending badly. Like I want, I, I want season five to be happy. That's one thing I want. And I want, if we get season five or if we don't, I want ABC to like say it, that say that we won't be able to get season five in time that the writers can bring the show up a little bit towards the end so we can end on a way that it feels like everything is going to be okay. Like, and, uh, I don't know if you've uh, we seen... Live in, we live in a world where nothing is, is okay anymore. Well, yeah. le- love it or hate it, like, I, I didn't mind the ending of Angel. I re- Joss Whedon's Angel. I didn't <coughs> it wasn't the best, but like James was saying, it gave Joss Whedon and company time to, like, at least come up with an ending that made it fit within the context of the series. Yeah, and I just... Exactly. I but, want like, Firefly, which really didn't happen. And that's why I want. That's what I want for Agents of Shield. Is I just want. I want these characters to get a break. That's really what I want. I just like give them a break. Give them some. Give them like maybe momentary like problems. But I'd want them to like have a, some time where they can just relax, please. Because ever <laughs> just, since ever since what happened with Ward in season one, they really haven't had that. Exactly, and it's just like it's just been like so draining, and it's not in a, necessarily a bad way. But like I just feel like these characters. I feel for these characters so bad like i just want them just give them a time some time to be sort of happy then, <laughs> i mean come on this show isn't daredevil <laughs> i mean uh, daredevil like daredevil lives in in hell we know i i've under, i've accepted that yeah well, the, like, that's exactly what i mean it works with my murdoch because that's my murdoch story not with this yeah so this uh <laughs> yeah i i i get you i'm seriously the hug we do, <laughs> do we i think so i think we all need a hug because yeah. our world is going to hell in a hand yeah, and, and that's why start affecting our television show right now is just like a hug. And like, <laughs> I even there's a hug. I, I can't even. <laughs> I need my escapism uh, from this uh, the hell that we've created in this country. Well, and but before, I, but before we get going, but before we get we need into to the talk feedback, about Ada. Yeah, Ada. Um, I I'll just say this. I hope we do not get female Ultron. No, I don't think we will. I just think that I think what we're gonna get is like Ada. Um, she like Radcliffe already basically gave her the ed, the permission of like um high lying to uh prevent to prevent protect feelings and i feel like she's running with that a little too much like she's gonna end up running with that too much and i think she's uh, trying to make herself wrong. like i feel like she's doing it because she thinks it's gonna make things better and she genuinely believes that she's not like ultron where ultron just kind of like said fuck it fuck the human race we're just gonna kill you all and then whereas um i think Ada's trying to like do something to make us like genuinely better but it's uh not going to work i and think she's trying to like, make herself a more realistic body because she's trying to you see the like blueprints of her brain like she's trying to make herself her own human brain kind of like data from Star Trek really it could be either tragic or it could it's, it's gonna be tragic either way but I feel I don't know if it is gonna like try to benefit everybody or if it's gonna benefit um like or if she's just doing it purely for herself but I don't think that's gonna Please benefit Dr. Radcliffe's horrible singing <laughs> horrible. I just, well, what I feel like is that I feel like Ada is the most is like programmed to be the most selfless thing out there and I think like what she's doing is she's trying to whatever she's doing does I feel like she wants to benefit the human race as much as possible and I feel like in doing that she's going to take this really ultra um, controlling like or she's going to do something that feels ultra controlling to us actual humans and it's going to just be really it's just going to be a really tragic thing because she clearly has our best interests at heart because she's programmed that way 
way, but um, it's in doing that she's going to end up doing a lot more harm than good. And it's going to be yeah. called Ultron Junior. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I, I'm going to leave what you said right there because I think it was, it was great. Uh, I have nothing really to add to it. I, I just wanted to compliment the actress yes. on her performance. Yes, because the intricate things yeah. that she was having to do, and you and the, totally believe, even though you weren't seeing, and from their perspective, you weren't seeing the line. Yes, but yeah. you could see she knew exactly what she was doing. She knew exactly what pattern she was making. And then and, at the end, when she was creating the brain, it was the same thing. She, she you know, that's not there. That's created afterwards in post. I just wanted. She did a fantastic job, and I thought it was beautiful. I thought what they created was beautiful. And shout out to the director too to like voice that to a performer because, like you said, Nikki, she's not seeing anything. So like, right. nope. and, and I, I think that they her. probably showed her a sketch and said, "Okay, it's going to be like a cat's cradle." Her her eye movements too, like were something uh-huh. that really sold it for me because like she moved her eyes very sharply and every whenever she moved them, but like she didn't turn her heads, like she just moved her eyes and it just like everything just it and felt the eyes were back in the line. Right amount of robotic. It just felt like, yeah. Her eyes were in line with what she was doing, and even though it was just her eyes moving, you knew she wasn't like looking at one thing, but her hands were over here. She was she knew what she was doing, and just massive kudos to her. Yeah, she. Uh, I have to say, she gave a pretty like next to Fitz, the I think she gave the best performance of the episode. Oh, yeah. absolutely, a- absolutely. I thought she was fantastic when she could hear him, and I think that that was. We don't. Miss, I don't know if she necessarily could hear him, but she definitely felt something. I will say. Well, they even well she acknowledged she's like well she's hearing ghosts is what they said. And she said she's she running out of time. She mentioned that, so yeah. Yeah. So and then because she could she could see or feel that Coulson was being pulled down or hear Fitz is yelling or something like that. Right. Exactly. So I think you know I think and also we the call charger reacted to um, uh, Robbie saying left, so it put the blinker on, which is interesting. So it's right. just like, somehow so technology he... can interact with these things. Well, I think that it's a spirit that's in the car. Maybe, I, well, the, the car didn't heal itself, so I don't yeah, know. and yeah. they mentioned that in the episode too. Well, that, his that, spirit was weak too. Robbie was yeah, dying. Yeah, and they mentioned that in the episode that the car can only heal itself when Robbie is the writer. You only when Robbie. Right, but it could probably still hear him. But yes, yeah, so I, all in all, I think it was the strongest episode we had. We had amazing performances from everybody, but I think our awards for best actor and best actress in this episode <laughs> go to Fitz and uh, Ada. Mm-hmm. Our shawarma awards, Ada. The shawarma award. <laughs> yes, every every week now we're going to give the shawarma award for best actor and best actress. All right, we're episode. making this a thing now. <laughs> Apparently it's a thing. And by the way, Kristen Ritter, you get a lot of shawarma awards and, yeah. and David Tennant. Just yeah. yeah, we we can't, we, unfortunately we can't give retroactive shawarma awards, but um, <laughs> we can't grandfather them in, but uh, yeah, we're so excellent rising. episode, episode next week is our last episode <laughs> until the, after the break. How long is the break, by the way? Does anybody know? I think it's going to be shorter because uh, Agent Carter's not there to the gap, so I think it's probably going to be back sooner, I hope. Probably I hope end so. of January, probably mid-January, I'm thinking, beginning. Yeah, we'll see, it. we'll probably see next week when they actually say it. Probably, yeah, when it's coming back, so. So feedback time people with feedback and james did you get my message yep. on facebook okay yep all right from from aaron at rain beast our good friend so um ts hi however everyone goes ahead spill we'll all wait well unfortunately <laughs> we don't have much waiting time but i think i'm i think we all kind of said our feelings a little bit yeah <laughs> so, um uh i've forgotten wait well no um deals with our devils will uh, someone make a deal with the de- missing hat to get the missing out of the team back someone has to get them back <laughs> <laughs> i think robbie definitely made a deal with the devil so we'll say that we actually literally had made a deal with the devil finally. We, we didn't bargain with Dormammu. 
<laughs> you don't bargain with Zarathos. Um, uh, darkness will be unleashed. No, I don't want things. I want things to be all hunky dory. Please, for once, yes, you agree with me. Thank you, thank you for the da- thank you for thank you for the David Bowie reference, by the way. Yes, <laughs> they did vanish. May they did. It was horrible to watch. Wonder where they got off to. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> We're into nightmare territory here. This is evil. Boy, is it ever wonderfully creepy. Yep. <laughs> um, man, I know it's crazy, but Colson came back from the dead. Y'all need to listen to Daisy. I know she's right. <laughs> but not about eyeliner, right, Nikki? <laughs> yeah, um, eyeshadow over the eyes, not under it. <laughs> <laughs> um, is May starting to feel a bond with the team? So I'll end up liking him, or he'll turn, or he'll turn or die. <laughs> Sad face. I don't think he's feeling a bond with the team. Honestly, I think he's just trying to save face. That what, what am I thinking? Is that what you guys are thinking? Sorry, is that what you guys are thinking? Yeah. yeah. Until it lasts, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we want to know what it'll become. Reminiscing about what they become and thinking about Trip. Rest yep. in peace. <laughs> Do not open that book. Uh, no, Mac, now you have to if, if it's the only way. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> nothing, nothing good comes out of that book. Yeah, well, unless um, Ida like does it in an over-the-top amount of good, which is probably what's going to happen. It's like holding the Tesseract at this point. Why would you want to do that? Yeah. Unless you're Thanos. Um, email from Morgan. Uh, thanks, Aaron, by the way, for the tweets. Thank you, um, Aaron. Yep. Uh, from Morgan. What a crazy few weeks it's been. Man, am I glad Shield is back. I think we could all use a little escapism, although I think we kind of realize it's not exactly escapism anymore. <laughs> no. Um, so Simmons is trapped in the dude with um, working on the dude trapped in the Terragenesis as we saw here a few episodes back. It's close and Robbie are trapped in some other dimension. They're invisible to the team. Mac continues to be Mace continues to be a lying liar, and Mac is a ghostwriter now. Great. This is all just great. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm not sure how I feel about his character storyline, but seeing Mac as the ghostwriter was actually pretty cool, and I am glad that Riley was ta- able to take it back in the end. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure fully. Agreed. <laughs> um, the general storytelling and flow of this episode is super cool this week. I really enjoyed seeing the different scenes repeat from different points of view. Yeah, um, uh, Jason O'Mara, I think, said on Twitter that like they shot um, from two separate angles at the same time sometime- at some points during the shooting, so that's kind of, that's kind of that's, awesome. That's, that's that very way. technical and yeah. very challenging to do because you have lines of sight and you have cameras yep. and so yeah props to them if that's how they props to that props to the director like great well done yeah that's a hard episode to direct um yay yay using ada to read the dark cold she's become quite useful in the past few episodes i do hope however she doesn't just serve as a quick fix to any problem that arises during the rest of the season and what the heck was she doing during that season that stinger whose brain is she constructing is it for herself or someone else so many ada questions yep um which also reminds me um in dr the dr strange like lore there's a book that he has um that is like the counterpart to the dark cold so I wonder, like, if that's ever going to show up at some point. The uh, light hold. <laughs> no, it's like the book of the book of something. Uh, or... Cagliostro. And, and the, when they pull that book out, they're just going to go into that <laughs> song of Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's a light. Uh, what? Oh, oh we're at the <laughs> sun. No singing. <laughs> what? What's wrong with singing? None of us can. So stop singing. I can sing. <laughs> uh, <do you> <laughs> I mean, in my dreams, I guess, but Continue. I'm trying to find the um, book. It's called uh, The Book of Ashanti. That's what it's called, The Book of oh, okay. Ashanti. So. Not, not, so. not the early 2000s singer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, just something to keep in mind, though. The Book of the Ashanti. Keep that in your head. Um, oh, man, you guys. Fitzsimmons this week. I'm already just going to go ahead and rip my heart out and send it to Jed and Marissa because Jesus' <laughs> babies are feeling strong with this one. Amen and amen. <laughs> um, Fitz kills me, OMG. Seriously, can I give all the, can we give all Ian all the awards, please? Yes. He does so well playing Fitz's goofy and lovable and cracking jokes. 
jokes one second and so angry and frustrated the next. I kind of wanted to actually see Fitz punch Mason in the face at the end, but I'll settle for a nice reunion moment because Simmons got to have instead. I love how he yeah. just poked him in the chest, by the way. I mean, he is, like, Jason O'Mara is tall. We have to give him that. Like, And, and Ian is not. Yeah. <laughs> he barely, and, like, he barely, like, reaches his chest, even with it, an it, apple It's like yeah. Ant-Man going up against the Hulk. Come on. <laughs> um, favorite line this week was from Mac. My axe is plenty sharp and a shotgun. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, winter finale already? Ugh, no, we just had a month-long break. Yep. Worst part is there's no Agent Carter to watch, this year to watch during the hiatus. <laughs> oh, well, oh, well. The finale looks like it's going to be amazing. I hope it doesn't cause, cause us to lose Robbie for the rest of the season. I want him to stick around. Until next week, Morgan. Thank you, Morgan, as thank always. Thank you, Morgan. And, again, thank you, Aaron. Uh, sorry we didn't get to read all of them, but we're running low on time. <laughs> Keep sending, keep sending, and if you guys, if you're interested in any of Erin's other reviews on the other show she watches, go visit her website at rainbeast.com. So, with that, it for this episode of the Marvelous Podcast. If you're not sticking around for spoilers. That's we'll just row that pre-recorded closing. Good night, across the airways podcast. Good network website, across the airways.com. Okay, that's across the airways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows available as their own individual program. Get the iTunes Store, okay, Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast podcast shows cut our network we have the dc nation podcast located at dc nation.acrosstheairway.com okay that's dc nation.acrosstheairway.com which reviews popular dc comic related tv shows got movies there's also the marvelverse pod located at marvelverse podcast.acrosstheairways.com okay that's marvelverse podcast.acrosstheairways.com which reviews marvel comic related tv shows got movies and we also have thrones cast our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of hbo's game of thrones which is available at the website thrones cast.acrosstheairway.com okay again that's thrones cast AcrossTheAirway.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airway podcast, which is accessible at AcrossTheAirways.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory, and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, got the mixed radio station, code by Jack Knight, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the podcast box. And if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our app from the Amazon Market, because the Windows Marketplace, because a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feed, got the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at acrosstheairways.gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.gmail.com. Comments on our Facebook, follow us on Twitter, got across the airways. There's no line, it's just across the airways. Join our circle, got Google Plus, or leave us a voicemail by calling 773 809 336. Again, podcast show you're directing the message to get the subject line give you our standing up listener feedback once on the air i would also recommend that you check out our youtube page which features trailers for upcoming movies and television events along with this content the ata youtube channel is a great source for panels from past comic and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the comic con taking place in the this summer to go along with our comic con special <laughs> so for other ata podcast hosts nico reistack michael j petty steve nostro joshua mccray i'm nikki amy i am james hayful and i am Lewis kim that needs to write Spider-Man in a very urgent email. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you all in the Marvelverse, and we still miss you, Dan. S.H.I.E.L.D. wants to see what I'm creating? I'll show them all. We need the big guns on this one, and Yo-Yo, Daisy, and Reyes are the biggest guns we have. There's something in that building everyone needs to see. I am becoming a god. You better be, because the devil is coming for you. Playing with fire is play. The winter
finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider. Next Tuesday, 10, 9 Central, ABC. What you just heard was the trailer for next week, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., our, our winter finale. Our two-hour winter finale, it. correct? Two-hour winter finale, episode eight of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., titled The Laws of Inferno Dynamics. No, before we get, no, before we get into this, <coughs> is, is the show going to start at nine or is the show going to start at ten? I believe it's starting at nine. Okay. Just but I will just... double-check for, for everybody, but that's my understanding. Just making sure because it is two hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that so... would take us to midnight, which takes off. Of news. <laughs> they don't do that. And they don't yeah. do that ever. According to um, the uh, the summary, it says, with the lives of everyone in Los Angeles hanging in the balance, S.H.I.E.L.D. and Ghost Rider find themselves working together. Well, how big can you get? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I will say that I'm, gonna, I'm really excited to have... Uh, Yo-Yo come, or Elena coming back again and um, yeah I just like I feel really scared though because this seems like this would be a great time to kill someone and I feel like <laughs> if I kill anyone it'd be Elena so I don't want that to happen oh come on I was, hoping, I was hoping we'd get Joey back too yeah that'd be great but I don't know don't um, bring them back to kill them all you said that the exactly. no that's what they, that's what they did on Days of Our Lives this year they brought every all the old school back just to kill them and by the way killing Bo why yeah Stop. exactly they brought it back to kill him I'm so Anyways, back to the show, <laughs> back to the actual show we're talking about. But yeah, I think next week looks incredibly exciting and entertaining and being two hours kind of gives us a third episode. Yeah, I'm scared you know? to see what happens. I'm really just, I'm just scared. Like again, yeah. like this is a this. There's a tipping point here, and it's gonna uh, go down. And I am. If scared. they kill any of our main cast, I'm gonna be. They can, they can, and they have. Okay. I'm. So, this is but, not a show that this is a Whedon show. Yeah. I know, but still, like it would feel cheap at this point. It yeah. Feel it would have to mean something it, like War Death did. Um, I unfortunately Lincoln's death didn't have the same emotional payoff that War Death did. Not at all. Because and we didn't really be, know. Lincoln. We didn't not, even really know. Lincoln. Do not bring back Hunter and Bobby just to do that. Exactly. No, if you're going to bring my Hunter back, he stays alive or I I riot. Like like the Daryl Dixon fans. If Daryl dies, we riot. If if you kill off my Hunter, I will riot. This was one of the most... This was one of the most vaguest promos I've ever seen. (laughs) It was. It was a very vague promo. It was so So vague. It's like, like, okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Spoilers, guys. Well, nothing. Because we have no idea. Stuff happens. There's a car. That's a spoiler. There's a bad guy and a good guy and Colson and yeah, it, it, it's there yeah <laughs> and that's pretty much it there you go um there you go there's spoilers we don't know what's gonna happen because because the cliffhangers for last season were kind of going into winter and spring finales they were not very good yeah i mean they're never they never like give away a lot they never give away more than they need to and which is good so but they also didn't give anything really yeah, yeah. something's gonna happen i i have I have eerie flash- going down. I have eerie flashbacks to the winter finale when they like first introduced the Terrigen Mist and Trip died. I'm getting eerie flashbacks to that. Yeah, please, we don't we don't talk about that on this show. Yeah. But I'm I'm just saying I'm getting those kind of weird flashbacks again. Yeah. Well, do, hopefully nothing like that happens because I can't take that again. No. It's, I do really like feel I still am really interested to see like what they do with Eli though because again he is like the voice in Robbie's head in the um, comic books so it's interesting. So it's gonna be interesting to see like where he goes and i don't right i'm i am really like that thing that he's building whatever it is it's <laughs> it's not good and, to James and also like why didn't they close the um why didn't ada close the portal to the <laughs> dark kitchen in the um show like because that's how robbie got back but why somebody, would no somebody found maybe this? they closed it after he got back yeah they closed maybe it they were waiting they needed him to come i don't know yeah, they <laughs> yeah closed like, it. I mean, it doesn't look like it's 
open or closed, but I mean, like, we obviously know it's open, so why not close they clo- it? They closed it because somebody found their sling ring. It's a deleted scene. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Sorry for the tangent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if you have anything, if you guys have, if listeners have any comments you want to make, just make, you know, tweet us at Across Airwaves on Twitter or find us on Facebook at Across Airwaves. So, gentlemen, and, it's been Thin Slice of Heaven. Yes. As usual. And please email, email, email us at Across the Airwaves at gmail.com. Yes, and, that too. Well, and hopefully we'll have much to talk about because there will be because following up an anticlimactic promo with a very promo with a very, even bigger episode such a letdown I don't think they'll let us down but yeah. you know you never know we always keep an open mind here at Marvelverse Podcast <laughs> or at least we try to we try so have a good day everybody Excelsior